Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Mackenzie Bauer of Thread Wallets. Listen how Mackenzie and her husband, Kobe, went from experimenting with their first prototype to creating Thread Wallets as it is today. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Mackenzie Bauer of Thread Wallets. Mackenzie, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. For sure. So I want to start out with where did you grow up and what was your childhood like? Um, this is a great question and not one that I actually get asked that often about when I'm getting asked about business. Um, yeah. I grew up in Provo, Utah. Um, many people might know BYU or University of Utah. So kind of mm-hmm. close to both of those universities. Um, I was raised um, as the only girl. I have two brothers one older than me and one younger and so kind of sandwiched um in between these two boys and i think that this is a really fun piece of my upbringing because my dad always taught me to keep up with the boys so i think right now in today's world there's kind of this narrative of you know women shakers and movers and i just love that i I was just always taught that women could do whatever whatever boys did. Yeah. So I had these two brothers, and my dad was a really tough love kind of guy. So again, he he taught me that I always had to keep up with the boys. So one thing that he <laughs> would always tell me, which is kind of funny looking back on it, um, but he would say that if we were out snow skiing or water skiing or playing basketball, whatever it was, he would tell me that I needed to learn how to do all of these things because there'd sometime come a point in my life where I'd be dating and getting to know guys like in my teenage years and they'd ask me to go snow skiing or wakeboarding or whatever it was. And he yeah. said, you always have to be able to do what they ask you to do. Wow. And so that's like been a really big part of who I am. I've been really competitive growing up. I'm very independent and stubborn, which is kind of fun too. So my, this gives you probably more detail than you're wanting to know, but oh, no. when I was when I was dating my husband, I went to Lake Powell with his family, mm-hmm. and his dad had this slalom ski, which slalom ski is, skiing isn't as popular as it once was, but mm-hmm. his dad was like, nobody gets up on this ski except me. Like, <laughs> I, this ski is like the hardest ski to get up on, and I was like, I'm going to get up on that ski. So I went out and I got up on this, his dad's ski that he had been like, nobody else can get up on this ski. So anyway, just part of my upbringing really paid off when I was trying to win over my husband and his family. But that's awesome. anyway, yeah, I, um, my family's very religious. My dad and mom served um, with our church my whole life growing up. My dad is a financial planner. And so um, along with this kind of like tough love mentality that I was given growing up, I also saw a lot of hard work and my dad was also very A plus B equals C. He supported mm-hmm. us all through college and really pushed us to um, become educated and grow and learn and try new things. So I'm very grateful for that. Um, yeah. Really, really close with my family. Um yeah, I don't know if you want to know much more, but that's kind of me in a nutshell in terms of like who I am. I love like arts and crafts. And as much as I love playing sports with the boys, I always love like scrapbooking or mm-hmm. just doing like crafty, creative things on my in my free time as well. That's awesome. So did you ever have like an entrepreneurship mindset growing up? Did you ever 
uh, sell any things um, growing up prior to thread wallets? Um, yes, kind of. Like I was kind of a dork a little bit, like just kind <laughs> of like in my head, like always trying to like imagine things and doing things. Like I remember I got into this phase where I was knitting a lot of hats. Like that was one of the crafty things that I was doing. And yeah. I would always like, as I legitimately would lay in bed at night thinking like, okay, how could I sell these? Like I need to get like a storefront. And I would like imagine and like build out this whole like creative biosphere in my head of what it would take to like sell these hats. Yeah. But I never actually really like, was the doer i was kind of like the i would sit and i would think and i would create in my head but i never really like took action in terms of um like doing it like my husband he was the type that was like i'm gonna make money so i'm gonna go out and do it and i'm gonna do mm -hmm. it by doing front flips on people's front doors <laughs> like that was my husband like he would ring the doorbells and be like if we do a trip for you will you give me money and i was like yeah. the creator like the ideator in my head so uh, okay i feel like i kind of always had like a bug to create but mm -hmm. i didn't know how or where to start with that gotcha and then you went on to study at byu what did you study there yeah so i went to byu hawaii actually okay. um in 2010 so it's a small um university uh, sister branch to um, BYU Provo, which is the university that I grew up just down the street from. Mm -hmm. So I went out in 2010 and I graduated in 2013 with a degree in, this is kind of a mouthful, so get ready, International <laughs> Cultural Studies. Okay. And the emphasis was peace building. And so it was a lot of conflict resolution, mediation, and then I minored in political science. So I was very drawn to um, like working with an NGO, probably mm -hmm. I was thinking about going to get my law degree and a master's in conflict resolution. Um, what I wanted to do that long term, what I wanted to do with that long term, I'm not so sure how my like what how it would have turned out, but yeah. that was what I studied in college. Yeah. Okay, and then this is actually where you met Colby, your now husband and co-founder. When yes. did the idea evolve to create Thread Wallets, and what was the inspiration behind it? Okay, yeah, that's a great question. So my husband, Colby, my last semester of college was my husband's first semester at BYU-Hawaii. Okay. And we had multiple friends tell us, like, you guys need to meet each other. You would be perfect for each other. I had gotten out of a um, pretty gnarly relationship just a few months prior, so I wasn't ready mm. to date. So I didn't take any of my friends up on that. So after I graduated, I moved back to Provo. And my husband actually bounced back and forth between BYU Provo and BYU Hawaii for soccer because um, the seasons were different and one's NCAA and one's club. So he was able to kind of bounce back and forth. So gotcha. when we were both back in Provo in the winter of 2014, early 2014, we connected through mutual friends finally. So it took us a few months to finally actually connect. Mm -hmm. um, and when we met, one of the first things we did was um, work on a school project of Colby's on my sewing machine. He had asked me, hey, I've like got this project I'm doing for school and I need to sew it. And I was like, oh, I have a sewing machine at home. Like, let's work on it together. So our first date, few dates were actually spent around my sewing machine, just kind of like tinkering with these ideas that we had like one was a sleeping bag that was oh, wow. what you put your for your laptop so it was like a mini sleeping bag yeah so like a little sleeping bag for your laptop and then he was in this class and he um 
needed help sewing this I, um, wallet that he'd had an idea for back um, in Hawaii. And what had happened was he had dived into the ocean with his wallet and ended up losing it. So he went online to look for a new wallet and all he could find on Google was like big, boring bifold mm. wallets. And he was like, yeah. I don't need that. Like I carry around my driver's license, my student ID and my credit cards. Like I have three cards on me. I don't need a big wallet. So he just grabbed a rubber band and was using rubber band to hold <laughs> his cards once he got all the replacements. And then kind of simultaneously, he was taking a class um, an entrepreneurship class where they were talking about Kickstarter yeah. and he, so he was spending a lot of time on this Kickstarter, um, the platform Kickstarter. And he noticed that minimalist wallet, this was back in like 2013, 2014, mm -hmm. when the platform was relatively new were these minimalist wallets were just killing it like $300,000 plus, um, campaigns. And he was like, wow, like there's a huge need for these minimalist wallets, but Again, all of them lacked style. They were all boring, black elastic, brown leather. And yeah. my husband really looked up to companies like Stamp Socks, Skull Candy Headphones, oh, yeah. um, Sean Ness with Ness Headwear. And all these brands had taken a simple product that most people looked at as in the past as boring or you know, not something that um, catered to personal expression, but they brought that personal um, expression to the item. So for sure. my husband was like, okay, maybe there's a need for minimalist wallets with style because you can find minimalist wallets that are doing well, but they don't have style. Yeah. So this is now when we were dating and working on projects on my sewing machine and he brought some elastic over to my house and we sewed the, the first few prototypes together and I added the little key loop that you see on our elastic wallets now. And mm -hmm. yeah, it just kind of grew from there. So what did this first prototype look like? Was it just, were they all uniform throughout when you were just experimenting? Um, so they kind of, there was a little bit of a, of a variety. So he'd just gone up to um, Joanne craft store and gotten some plain white elastic. So he'd sewn some of those and then he actually, in order to find the process that we use, which is called sublimation, he found a local company that does sublimation printing. So I don't know if okay. you remember, there was kind of a fad and there's companies that still do it, but t-shirts that look like a man's hairy chest or like yeah, yeah. a t-shirt that has like pepperoni slices all over <laughs> it. So there's a company locally that did that. So my husband went and was like, hey, can I try printing on this elastic? So he went and they let him use their equipment and the first um, printed elastic that I saw had the poop emoji all over it. <laughs> so there was that and then because we were able to utilize their technology for a little bit, I think he um, used them to do a few more kind of sample runs and then we actually ended up running a really, really simple basic Kickstarter which was pretty much for that class where he'd learned all about Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. And with that money that we raised, it was just about $8,000. We bought the equipment so that we could do the sublimation printing on our own. Gotcha. So I have a question like prior to actually initiating this, um, were you ever hesitant going into business? Uh, Kobe being like your partner and stuff, were you, were you both ever hesitant to do this? You know what? Not at all. And maybe that was just because we were really young and naive and yeah. we, our relationship started out 
talking about business. I think if maybe this um, idea had came to us two or three years into marriage, we might be like, hey, we may not work the best together. Let's figure this out, you know? Yeah. But from the get-go, we were working together and brainstorming ideas. So it was pretty much all we knew. And we were in that very, like, Twitter-pated, I want to spend every second of every hour with you anyway. Yeah. So it was like, perfect, why not work together? And it has worked really well for us, honestly. I mean, there's been bumps in the road and there's been miscommunications and things that we've had to work through. But overall, we just love it. We love having that common goal. We love um, being able to bounce ideas off of each other. I I remember growing up, you asked about my upbringing earlier. Mm-hmm. My parents' lives were so separate from the majority of their, you know, the past 20 or 30 years. Yeah. They, my dad would wake up in the morning, he'd go to work at 7.30, he'd come home at 4. Mm-hmm. Um, during those whole, those crucial hours of the day, they're away and then they would come home, eat dinner. My dad would, we had horses growing up, so he would take care of the horses, feed them, do some yard work or whatever it might need to be, and then they'd go to bed and they'd do it again. Yeah. So they didn't actually spend that much time together. And for me, um, as close as my parents were and how great they did at navigating that, I was like, that's not what I want for my life. Like I want to be, from the get-go, I knew that I wanted my future to be different than that. Mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily know that that would mean working side by side my husband but it has been such a blessing for us for sure that's awesome um once you guys knew that you wanted to do something with the wallets and pursue the business how were you getting the word out there how were you marketing thread wallets at this time yeah that's a really good question so when we first started we um thankfully kind of got on the instagram bandwagon when it was still really young so Mm -hmm. Um, 2014 Instagram was like four years old, I think. And so we used a lot of Instagram marketing to get the word out there. And it was easier than it is now because people didn't really ask to be paid back then in the ways that they do now, because people hadn't amassed the followings that they have now. So, um, we used a lot of Instagram and we also did just a lot of, um, like in-person type events. I remember going to, which this is totally kind of not allowed. Like we probably (laughs) could have gotten in trouble for this, but we went and just stood on BYU campus and handed out wallets. That's genius. We've um, come to find out now that they get mad at you for like pushing products on their campus at the private university without being like, you know, having received their approval. But we would do that. We would just go and hand out these wallets and, that was really great for us because they are pretty inexpensive for us to make. And so it was really um, inexpensive marketing. We were, they were able to get our product in the hands of our target demographics, young college students. And um, from there, it was really cool to see that um, BYU is a university that has people come from all over um, the country and even all over the world. And although we're not focused on international sales, we, we would see that, um, people would go home for Christmas breaks or whatnot. And then we'd see these little pockets of people on our website, like buying from like um, Scottsdale, Arizona or San Diego, California, different little things. So it was cool to see that that those efforts kind of paid off. I think in the get go at the get go, we, we really focused on giving out as much product as we could because we really saw a return that way. For sure. 
at this time, was it still you making all the wallets and producing or was Colby helping out or yeah. did you guys have anyone else join or? Yep. So we did all the production ourselves through about the beginning of 2017. So like at the end of 2016 is when we really tried to start getting it out of our house. Yeah. Um, but we did have some help. Like when we had a lot larger orders, we would hire out seamstresses. Mm-hmm. But um, for the most part, we were doing all the shipping, all the fulfillment, all the production. My brother, who had just returned from um, a mission for our church, he came home and he helped press and print and do all the like dirty work behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And I think that we'll probably all have lung cancer at some point because the toxins from like cutting the elastic and then heat pressing the designs mm. it was crazy we did it at my parents house out of their office for a little bit and then we did it out of our basement or crawl space more wow. like at our little two-bedroom apartment that we moved into a year about a year into marriage so it was kind of all over the place but yeah we were at this point we were still doing all of it we it was kind of made to order so we'd get mm. We'd try to have a little bit of inventory, maybe like 10 wallets, but oftentimes it would be like, oh, someone ordered the watermelon design. We've got to <laughs> print and sew that one and like, and ship it off. So it was really the whole supply chain system was really lagging. It was, yeah. it held us back a lot. That's impressive. Um, what would you say is the main demographic for thread wallets? Yeah. Okay. So this is something we've actually really um, focused on narrowing down this year. We have our core um target audience audience target customer and this is like 18 through 25 year old women who mm-hmm. are either in college or just entering their careers um very aspirational they love the beach they love fashion and pop culture that's like our target audience and the majority of our customers um based off of all the data that we've dug into and then we have our target audiences which are female skate um, men's surf and um, snow kind of men's adventure and then um, women outdoor so like trendy cute like go into the mountains and hike on the weekend but you're still caring about wearing the nicest you know yeah. like the cute trendy outdoor wear and then a similar demographic for men where they're focused on like gear and being outside and traveling and those are our target demographics. So right now we're doing a lot of research into um, how credible those demographics are, if they're responding to things, making specific ads for those demographics, and then kind of getting, we're, our goal is to utilize that data to know if those are target demographics that we want to keep or um, kind of pivot with them. Gotcha. Um, looking at thread wallets today, what would you say separates thread wallets from your competitors? Um, yeah, I honestly think that it's, the our focus niche like yeah so many brands offer wallets like if you look at ruka or billabong or mixin all these big um surf lifestyle brands they offer a wallet it's um a product offering amongst their t-shirts board shorts hats sunglasses like everything that they offer Mm -hmm. and something that really differentiates us right now is that for the past six years our focus has been and continues to be wallets and carry products so um i think that that differentiates us as well as our designs the um 
the fact that our elastic wallet is different, we use, you know, elastic and in the elastic wallet, but then on our vertical wallets and our bifolds, they're just more unique, different. They allow you to express yourself than um, a lot of other other wallets that are out there. Gotcha. Have Have you guys ever looked into going brick and mortar or retail or strictly e-commerce right now? Yeah, so that um, we are majority e-commerce. However, okay. 2020 has been a year of growth for us in terms of retail. Um, okay. We've picked up just over the years organically um, some mom and pop kind of boutique mm -hmm. retailers. And then this past year we've brought on reps and it's kind of been a difficult year to make this our goal because of um, the coronavirus, but sure, yeah. we're, we're scaling it and stores are slowly opening back up and we're in, I think around like 350, 370 retail locations nationwide. Wow. And then we also have our own retail um, channel, which is we have a little retail space attached to our office here in Provo, Utah. So people can come in and buy products here. And then we also just opened up a kiosk at a mall up in Salt Lake City, which is performing really well. And our goal for 2021 is to roll out maybe three to five more kiosks in um, areas that our wallets are already performing really well. That's awesome. Um, what does Thread Wallets offer outside of wallets? I was looking on your website and I saw that you offer some more things. When did you guys ex uh, decide to expand outside of wallets and what do you offer? Yeah, so we currently offer outside of wallet lanyards and chapstick holders. Those are like our biggest products. We have little accessories like a sticker pack or like a pin pack, mm -hmm. things like that that are just fun little upsells. But when we started selling our elastic wallets, which is our flagship product, we noticed that everyone, because it has the little keychain loop, people were connecting it to their lanyard around their neck or um, little wrist lanyards. But typically yeah. the lanyards that you see are ones that you've gotten from like high school or some random convention. <laughs> so we were like, if people are buying lanyards or utilizing lanyards to make our wallets more um, functional in their life, then we should be the one that is offering the lanyard for them. Yeah, for so sure. we started making the lanyard lanyards to match the wallets, and that's been a really, really good move on our part business. They they sell really well. Most people, um, I think, tend to buy a lanyard with the wallet. Mm -hmm. And then over the past, you know, three or four years, when we start, we started in 2015. So I wouldn't say from the get go, but um, we have been asked frequently over the years to add a chapstick holder because it's very similar functionality into how it holds a little chapstick as hmm. um, similar with the wallet. You slip your cards in, you slip your um, lip balm in. Yeah. So we launched the lip balm holder this past summer and it is one of the most simple products, but <laughs> it is um, like blowing all of our other products out of the water someday. Wow. Like it is just people are eating it up. So it's cool to see that, um, sometimes the little things make the biggest difference and mm -hmm. so basically we're just trying to own the experience of carrying your product so whether it's your phone case or your um, wallet your cards your chapstick which little things that everyone always has on them making that experience as functional as possible that's awesome um what i like to ask each guest when they join me on my episodes is 
is if you could share one piece of advice to an aspiring entrepreneur, either something you've learned or maybe you regret along the way, what would that be? Um, you know, the, the advice that we, there's two pieces of advice that I give frequently when I'm asked this question. And one is to just swing, don't swing for the fences, like just try to get on base and keep things really simple. I think a lot of people feel the need to overcomplicate things when they have an idea or when they're trying to start things, but just keep things really simple and just move at a pace that obviously allows for growth, but don't overwhelm yourself and, and don't um, try to go bigger than you, you know, don't bite off more than you can chew. Um, And then the other piece of advice is to not compare your beginning with somebody else's middle or their end. Mm. Um, We're all in different places. Every company is different. Every product is different. And so I think it's really important to just stay in your lane, focus on what you're good at and, you know, put your head down and get to work because if you, get into the trap of comparison, then you will become paralyzed and be overthinking every single move that you make because you're comparing it to what somebody else has done. And we have to keep ourselves in check with that a lot. I think as you're a Mm -hmm. growing company, it's really easy to look at other companies and say, well, what did they do? And just because they did something doesn't mean that it's going to work for you. And so it's just really important to focus on where you're at in your business. Um, Look to others for an example or for inspiration, but um, just do your thing. For sure. Well, Mackenzie, thank you so much for joining me today. And to the listeners out there, make sure to check out Thread Wallets at threadwallets.com. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed chatting. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Starting Small. If you would, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small Pod on social platforms to keep up to date on future guests.